Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Billboard.com Pop Shop Podcast. My name is Keith Caulfield, and I am the co-director of Charts at Billboard. Joining me, as always, is Billboard.com senior editor, Katie Atkinson. Hello. Oh, hi there. How are you? I'm doing well. How about yourself? I'm fine. I just uh, flew in, and boy, are my arms tired. Ah. Oh, yeah. Um, And that was a great show. Thanks for... (laughs) Thanks so much, everyone. It's been a great show. Um, Yeah. Sorry, I'm a little bit discombobulated because I've been on a plane for half of my day. Um, Anyway, let's move on to the pop shop. Yes. Um, Well, the Billboard Pop Shop podcast is your one-stop shop for all things pop on Billboard's weekly charts. In addition, you can always count on a lively discussion about the week's big pop news fun chart stats and stories, and guest interviews with music stars and folks from the world of pop. This week on the show, we've got an interview with someone who is a living legend, a 16-time Grammy Award winner, a chart superstar, Sting. Yes, indeed, Sting. My Sting, people. Sting. Sting. Uh, We caught up with him a few weeks ago to talk about his new album, 57th and 9th, which is out now. So stay tuned for that later on in the show. Plus, we've got Chart Chat about a brand new number one on the Billboard Hot 100. They said it wouldn't happen. Yeah, even I think we even said that last week. <laughs> um, Ray Shrimmerd's uh, Black Beatles bounds to number one as the viral video-assisted smash bumps the chain smokers closer out of the top slot. In addition, there's a new number one album on the Billboard 200 chart from Bon Jovi. A certain Flotus debuts on the charts. Melania? Hmm. She would be the uh, Flotus Elect. Flotus Elect. Uh, Not even Elect. No. No. Um, And we'll preview (laughs) this coming Sunday's American Music Awards. But first, before we get started, if you enjoy the podcast, subscribe to the show on iTunes so you won't miss an episode and give us a rating or review while you're at it. If you have any questions for us, feel free to tweet us at Keith underscore Caulfield or KT Atkinson. And if you want to explore more podcasts from Billboard, visit iTunes.com slash Billboard Podcasts. So lots of stuff that happened on the charts this week, right, Katie? Yeah, um, we didn't know whether it would happen, (laughs) (laughs) and we spoke about it last week, whether anybody could swoop in and take the number one spot on the Hot 100 from the Chainsmokers. Because they've been number one for 12 weeks. 12 weeks. 12 weeks. And now, all it took was a a viral meme. All it took. All it took was a meme that took over the country, um, the Mannequin Challenge, and, uh, and Ray Shrummer's Black Beatles that soundtracked it. Yeah. Um... It's crazy how this this song really in like the past like like basically two weeks has sort of turned this song into this enormous huge hit phenomenon. Um, I mean, as Katie said, the Mannequin Challenge really pushed this song to number one. Um, you know, we talked about this a week ago. Um, the their song, Race Rumored song, Black Beatles, um, basically doubles as the soundtrack to many of the Mannequin Challenge videos. And the Mannequin Challenge, if you don't know what this is, it's basically where people get together in a video and they all pose like mannequins, and the camera moves around them. Some more successfully than others, right? <laughs> um, and a lot of them are soundtracked to Black Beatles. Um, and the song zooms from number nine to number one on the Billboard Hot 100 this week, uh, bumping closer out of the number one slot, down to number two, after, oh, you know, just a dozen weeks at number one. And as your 
your other co-director of charts, Gary Truss, told us in his article. It's the first chart topper for both Ray Schrammerd and for Gucci Mane, who is featured on the song. And it's also the first leader for the song's producer, Mike Will Made It, who made a lot of hit songs. So that's pretty, uh, pretty, you know, yeah. When Gary, crazy. When Gary wrote that, I was just like, that's Mike. It's like, really? I like, really? He hasn't had one? Because like, he also did, m- most people are probably really familiar with um, Miley Cyrus's We Can't Stop, mm-hmm. which was, I think, his probably the biggest pop hit that he's had but he's like a huge hip-hop producer yeah um but he's also a varied producer because he can do miley he can do hip-hop he can do a lot of other sure yeah he's he's worked with a ton of people and and you'll know his work because he always says his name on the song so it's it's, oh it's kind of like exactly (laughs) you can't miss mike will made it uh productions um black beatles was the most streamed song of the week which isn't terribly surprising considering that it's in a bunch of viral videos, it rises five to one on the streaming songs chart with 43 million streams earned in the week ending November 10th, according to Nielsen Music. That's actually up 122%. Helping that gain, of course, are YouTube views of the Mannequin Challenge videos that use the song, in addition to standard views of the song's music video and, and other audio only clips of the track. YouTube accounted for almost 21 million of the song's streams last week. So it's not all YouTube, um, but, you know, the rest were from other streamers like Apple Music and Spotify. Still, the song isn't just a viral hit. It was the top-selling download of the week, and it jumped from 16 to 1 on the digital song's sales chart with a 320% sales gain, sold 144,000 downloads last week. And, you know, while the streams and sales are hot, Katie's trying to tell me something. Well, I was just going to say, I feel like the beauty of these songs that become hot based on a meme, like uh, the Harlem Shake a few right. years ago, um, many years ago, um, is that somebebody probably downloads the song to, to use, use it, it in, the video, in the video, and then the artist gets a stream when somebody watches said video. So they get a stream a and they get bit, a sale. Yeah, exactly. It's a it's Double exact, dip in there. It, totally. But it's like... Two different people are enjoying the song that way, right. but it's for like working toward the same cause of this one viral video. Right. So that's actually kind of interesting. I mean, if 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 the song itself was like terrible, I don't think that it would catch on as well. Right. Like a viral a viral meme set to like a really craptacular song probably <laughs> wouldn't have the same sort of oomph. like apple pen pineapple. <laughs> Yeah, that did not go to number one. No, it did not. No. It did hit the Hot 100, hit, but not it, number one. It hit the Hot 100, but not number one. <laughs> um, you know, while sales and streams are hot on the song, airplay is lagging behind. And stop us if you've heard this story before of a red-hot hit that's big with streams and sales, but radio stations are slow to pick up on the phenomenon. While Black Beatles is number one on both digital song sales and streaming songs, it debuts at number 44 on the radio songs airplay charts. I feel like it will only move up though because like you said this is actually a good song. It's a listenable song. Yes. It will be a hit on hip hop radio because this is not like, you know, watch me whip and nene or like uh the news what's the new one juju on that beat? Yeah. These ones that go with dance videos that when you just listen to them on the radio they're just silly. It's like right. instructing you how to do a dance. It's like I'm in the car, I can't really dance right like, now. Like Black Beatles is just a a song a like song. a great rap song i do wonder if this is going to be like the one week for it at number one and closer is going to go back to number one Oof. we'll see i mean it could happen <laughs> can't we don't where i lie on that we also don't know anything clearly <laughs> i mean um, mannequin challenge didn't exist until like uh, just over a week ago yeah. and now it's number one yeah 
Well, uh, now it's time for the chart stat of the week. Oh, uh, I love when you surprise me with the location of the chart stat. <laughs> With Black Beatles reaching number one on the Hot 100, it made me wonder how many other times we've had such colorful songs atop the list. Mm. You know, songs with a color in their title. Think Tie a Yellow Ribbon Round the Old Oak Tree, Red Wed, Wed, wed Wine. <laughs> red, wed, wed, red Wine. I've had too many glasses of Wed Wed Wine. Red Red Wine, or The Ballad of the Green Berets. Did you know, Katie? That there have been eight number one songs with black in their title. I did not know that. Can you guess any of them aside from Black Beatles? And I'm thinking one of them should be pretty easy because it wasn't that long ago. Oh, really? I wasn't even thinking recent. My mind was definitely going to older songs. The first two songs that came to my head were Back in Black by ACDC. No. What about Paint It Black by the Rolling Stones? Correct. You got one of them. Okay. But there's one recently. How about Black Betty? Oh, Black Betty. Right, nope. Madame. Sorry. No. Okay. Um, recent, though. Yeah, from a rapper that had a huge number one hit like a year or so ago. Oh. Um, I mean, hmm. this wasn't number one a year ago, but he had a big number one hit from like a year oh, ago. Oh, interesting. Uh, my mind is not. It's a sports uh, sports reference. Oh, Black song. and Yellow. Black and Yellow. Now, you're not going to get the rest of them because. Really? Well, you, you could, but this will take too long. Okay. Um, we don't have time to play this. Give game. me the most obvious one, or the artist of the most obvious one oh, that I'm missing. The King of Pop. Oh, I was actually thinking, does he have any um, black or white? Yes. Uh, his sister. Oh, um, Black Cat. That's correct. The rest of them are a little bit <laughs> more you know, obscure. Yeah, a little bit. Um, Three Dog Night, Black and White. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Um, Alana Miles, Black oh, Velvet. Oh, Black Velvet. Uh, and the Doobie Brothers, Black Water. Oh, oh, Black Water. Keep, keep on rolling, Mississippi Moon. Won't you keep on shining on me? I can harmonize <laughs> with a humming. Um, so there you go. There's a chart stat of the week. Uh, colorful songs at number one, specifically those with uh, black in their I title. I love that. That's a fun chart, chart stat. All right, so uh, let's move on to the Another Billboard. new number one. Another new number one um, on the Billboard 200 Albums chart. Bon Jovi, they debut at number one with their new album, This House Is Not For Sale. But it, this album is... In stores now. <laughs> uh, it's their sixth number one album. Wow. And it launches with 129,000 equivalent album units uh, earned in the week ending November 10th. Of that sum, 128,000 were in traditional album sales. So unlike previous albums, which may have a lot of streams and tracks, this one's really just about sales album heavy, sales. Yeah. yeah. Um, and actually, a lot of those sales were generated by um, a concert ticket slash album sale promotion thing that they did. Well, they're such a huge live band, so that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so anyway, the album was released on November 4th through Island Records. And it's... Uh, uh, as I said, it's their sixth number one, and it follows their previous number ones. What about now? In 2013, the Circle, 2009, Lost Highway in 2007, and then uh, their 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 two really enormous, huge breakthrough albums: New Jersey in 1988 and Slippery When Wet in 1986. Now, Slippery When Wet was not their first album. 
by it the way. It was their breakthrough album? Yeah, I think it, I want to say it's their third album. Oh, wow. Yeah, because they had a self-titled album, and they had, I think, 7,800 7, degrees Fahrenheit. Oh, wow. Um, one of them had, like, Runaway on it. Oh, she's a little runaway. Runaway, runaway, runaway. <laughs> yeah. Um, also, I was singing so far. Yeah, I know. Uh, Slippery uh, When Wet, uh, coincidentally, uh, which contains the smash singles Living on a Prayer and You Give Love a Bad Name, hit number one on the Billboard 200 almost exactly 30 years ago this week. Wow. It first topped the list on the chart dated October 25th, 1986. Speaking of the Billboard 200, it looks like A Tribe Called Quest's new album, We Got It From Here, Thank You For Your Service is heading to number one next week. Industry forecasters suggest the set could earn perhaps 110,000 equivalent album units, or somewhere in that neighborhood, in the week ending November 17th. The album is their first studio effort since 1998, believe it or not, and I believe it's billed as their final album. That's correct. And Uh, it's their first album since the death of uh, their member Fife Dog. That's right, which was earlier this year. It was this year, yeah. yeah. And um, but some verses that he recorded before he died are included on the album. Oh, I'm 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 not incredibly terribly familiar with a tribe called Quest. I love a tribe called Quest. They were kind of my introduction to hip hop. Like you know, grew up in a real backwoods town that didn't have a lot of hip hop. You know, just around. And a tribe called Quest. I fell in love with them my freshman year of college. And um, yeah, they're incredible. It's such a and, and this new album is really great. And they performed on SNL this past weekend. When Dave Chappelle hosted and their performance was great and very politically charged episode, very oh yeah, the episode and the songs themselves are very politically charged as well. So were they always planning on having like doing this album before Five Dog? I well, I think they had been in the studio and they've broken up on and off since uh, 1998. Actually, like they have come back together a few times. Um, They actually they opened for Kanye, um, like three years ago on his tour and that's when they came back together and then they talked about making music and getting the studio so that's where Fife Dogs Versus came from and that you know brings us to now but I think that uh, there's a lot more urgency behind it because of Fife passing away that they decided to you know move forward with this album Hmm. it's kind of a final gift to their fans well the group previously topped the list uh, just once with 1996's Beats Rhymes and Life um, speaking of uh, kind of political things. Yeah, well, we were actually just talking about Bon Jovi, who was hitting the uh, the campaign trail with Hillary Clinton yeah, last John, week. At least certainly John Bon Jovi was. Yes, he was. Um, he actually did two different campaign stops with her say, on he the same day. Oh, yeah. It was, yeah, he actually rode um, like her private plane, the campaign's plane, from, I believe it was Philadelphia to Raleigh, North Carolina, uh-huh. um, at two different rallies that were, one was at, in Philly, like, Monday night, and then the other was midnight in Raleigh, like, later that night. So anyway, he, like, hit the campaign trail very hard. And he also was featured in Clinton's uh, Mannequin Challenge video, which was shot on that plane. And not set to Black Beatles. It was not set no. to Black Beatles. But it's actually a pretty good one. Yeah, no, that was really impressive. Yeah, there's only one guy that you see way off in the background by the cockpit that moves, and Ooh. he's clearly like a Secret Service guy that probably shouldn't have been in the shot. I'm going to have to rewatch it, because I didn't notice that yeah. guy. <laughs> um, well, sp- you know, speaking of Clinton, um, although Hillary, who is a former First Lady of the United States, a.k.a. FLOTUS, didn't win the election... Um, there is a Flotus making news on the charts this week. It's an album titled Flotus by the artist Lamb Chop. Uh, Lamb Chop, by the way, is a band from Nashville uh, led by Kurt Wagner and signed to Merge Records. 
The album was released on November 4th and debuts on the Independent Albums Chart, Heat Seekers Albums, and Vinyl Albums Charts. Now, while Lamb Chop's Flotus is an incredibly well-timed release, um, it, it, as it turns out... <laughs> Flotus doesn't stand for what you think it stands for. It doesn't stand for First Lady of the United States, even though it came out the week of the election, but it's just fortuitous. Um, <laughs> rather, it stands for For Love Often Turns Us Still. This might be what they call a backronym. A backronym. Which is an acronym that you take the word you want something to spell out and, and you, you come up with it after. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So <laughs> this is really about Flotus. Yes. <laughs> um, well, the album has been described as an homage to the music of such acts as Kanye West, Kendrick Lamar, and Frank Ocean. Which that is sounds really interesting. Like a weird left turn, I think, for uh, the act. I'm not... I'm really not familiar at all with Lamb Chop. I just know that I was reviewing my my charts that I manage... Um, at Billboard, and I saw this Flotus thing show yeah. up. And I was like, Google, Flotus. <laughs> I'm like, is Michelle on here? Is Melania? this Sherry Lewis and her puppet? Yeah, no. is it Sherry Lewis and her puppet doing a children's <laughs> album with songs about Michelle Obama? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, no. I'd be here for that, too. <laughs> um, sadly, it's none of those things. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, so Flotus is on the charts, but not the Flotus that you think. <laughs> Though Hillary Clinton is a Grammy Award winner. Oh, right. Which means that there's hope for Melania to become a Grammy Award winner at some point in the future. For spoken word recording. That's what Hillary won hers for. Nothing to contribute to this, Katie? I've got nothing. Nothing? All right. <laughs> well, let's just switch gears and let's talk about the American Music Awards. Well, the American Music Awards are this Sunday. Like, it's your turn, Katie. <laughs> like, well, um, they are on Sunday, November 20th at 8 p.m. And... Keith and I will both be there. Indeed, we will be back. I guess we didn't screw it up last year. <laughs> We're invited back. <laughs> um, Katie and I will try to speak to as many of the celebs as possible. There's always a cavalcade of stars uh, at the AMAs. Last year, we talked to folks like One Direction, Jennifer Lopez, and Fifth Harmony. Um, so, you know, we'll have our nets out and we'll try to lasso people. We won't get One Direction, but we could get Niall, who could is get performing Niall. this town. Niall is performing at the show. Hopefully we can get Niall. And uh, uh, Drake leads the nominations with 13, and he sets a new AMA record for the most nominations in a single year, surpassing... Somebody named Michael Jackson, yeah. whose previous record was eleven nominations back in nineteen eighty four. I think that was the the year, the sort of the the post thriller year. Yeah, like where he was getting like every honor imaginable yes. for the thriller, and well deserved. Yes. <laughs> um, now, while we don't know how many awards Drake will take home, we do know the name of one of the winners already. Oh, really? Mm, Sting. Oh, huh, Sting. Funny. Um, he'll be receiving the American Music Award of Merit at the show, and he'll be performing on the AMAs for the very first time, believe that or not. The American Music Award of Merit, by the way, is only given to artists who have made truly exceptional contributions to the music industry. This is according to uh, the American Music Awards themselves. The award was last given in 2008 to Annie Lennox, a previous podcast guest. Friend of the pop shop. Friend of the pop shop. <laughs> and uh, previous honorees include Michael Jackson, Paul McCartney, Prince, and Frank Sinatra. And there's, We haven't had there's any more. of those people we on the podcast. We haven't had those people. Um, 
well, three of those people actually right. aren't with us anymore right. either. Right. Um, so Paul McCartney, if you're listening. Yeah. <laughs> hey, he did do a mannequin challenge to the Black Beatles song, which is perfect, by the way. He's hip. He's down. <laughs> I can see that happening. Um, well, while we're talking about Sting, I think it's time to have our guest interview with the man himself. Yes. Um, I had the great fortune of speaking with Sting at the end of October at the Grammy Museum here in Los Angeles, where he played an intimate show to, what is it, 250 people? 200? Yeah, it's tiny. That, you've, have you seen a show at this place? Yes, I have. I saw I saw Childish Gambino there. Oh. <laughs> Did it have a Q&A beforehand? Yeah. And then mm-hmm. a performance? Yeah, and it's just, it's so small. Like, it's, I sat in the second to last row and felt like I was on stage. Yeah. So small. Um, so, yeah, obviously, Katie and I both are enthusiastically endorsing. Uh, if if you get if you ever get the chance to see a show there, do it. Yes. Um, and a lot of the times, you know, I mean, it's it's sort of limited availability, but sometimes they're like a charitable thing. Mm-hmm. The tickets are real. I mean, Sean Mendes did one, and the tickets were fairly inexpensive. Mm-hmm. You just have to be quick on the draw. And in L.A. And in L.A. <laughs> That's the other thing, too. Um, so, yeah, really, if you ever get a chance to go, do it. And also, the museum there is cool, too. Yes. They have, like, a lot of exhibits and stuff. Anyways, this is not an infomercial for the Grammy Museum. But, you know. <laughs> but it's great. But it's great. <laughs> uh, so, anyway, here's the setup for the interview. Because uh, there's a little bit of, there's something that happens at the beginning of the interview that I need to tell you about. You're giving the listeners a little behind-the-scenes peek. Right. So also we understand that it, it'll make more sense to you when you hear it. Um, anyway, so we had arranged for a short interview. And I think I was the only person that was doing an interview with him at this venue. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was very aware of not trying to waste Sting's time. Mr. Sting's time, Mr. Yes. Sting, Mr. Sumner. <laughs> um, and I didn't want to get like sort of ushered out of his green room by his publicist. Unceremoniously. Yeah, who happened to be there with us sitting next to him. Um, and also in the room, aside from, you know, Sting and his publicist and me, is Sting's manager, Martin Kurzabaum, who happens to be a former pop shop guest, um, and Martin's family. Uh, his, I, he had, I think he had two of his daughters there and his wife, I believe, were there. So it, it was sort of a close-knit group of people, but really I was like the interloper. <laughs> um, and really Sting could, could not have been any lovelier. Um, in the interview, he talks about how his fans have been patient with him as they've waited for him to release a straight-ahead rock album, and it's been uh, 13 years since his last one. Um, how the new album was quite spontaneous, and you know he didn't really have finished songs when he went to the studio. He kind of went in and just made some magic happen with his bandmates. And he uh, jokes a little bit about writing, quote, miserable lyrics with jolly tunes. <laughs> Um, anyway, here is our interview with the one and only Sting. Welcome to the Billboard Pop Shop Podcast. Sting, how are you? Um, well, I'm eating a grape at the moment. Well, that's the best part, because we don't want to waste any time at all. Yeah, it's um, quite, quite chewy. You're <laughs> it's just quite chewy. Is that? Do you really want a grape to be chewy, though? Well, it's, a, it's the first time I've had a chewy grape, but it's kind of interesting. We're going to have to I'm speak work, to someone I'm about the catering it, as they here. say in America. Yes. Um, actually, we're backstage at a special Grammy Museum show. What? What's happening behind me? My manager is trying to fix a kettle. M- Martin is doing something. I've got a, a tiny amount of time, and you're frittering it away. Thank you so much. This has been great. Charlotte, you are a much better interviewer. You know, this is this is just. <laughs> The kind of amateurs Dreadful. that he has to deal with. Okay, you know what? 
Let's talk about the brand new album. Okay. Um, by the time people hear this, the album will be out fifty uh, seventh and ninth. People are talking about how it's you know your first rock album in more than a decade. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I was afraid that you were Billy Joeling us for a while. Uh, Billy Joeling us? Well, because he hasn't is Joeling us Billy jo- because he hasn't made a an album since nineteen ninety three. Yeah, he and hasn't. but I, I have not made an album. I've been making lots of records, but uh, you could say they were more esoteric in a way where I was just following my curiosity or my whim because that, that's what I like to do. And I think my audience is kind of patient with me. They know that I will make something that's interesting at least. Yeah. But um, my o- my quest always is to, is to create surprise. So whatever I do, I want it to be a surprise. So I thought, well, what would be surprising this time would be a rock and roll. <laughs> so it's not all rock and roll, but I think the main thrust of it is, is noisy guitar-based uh, rock. And I'm, you know, I'm very at home there. It's not as if uh, I, I ever gave it up. I, I do every I, night of my work in life. I, I don't think anyone ever suggested <laughs> that you had given up uh, rock music. But you're right. This this does have a have a, a thrust that is is I haven't had for a while. Um, I was reading in the liner notes uh, for the album. I think that which you wrote that uh, most of the album, if not all the album, was recorded in studios in New York City. Yeah. Not terribly far away from where you live. Yep. Um. What is the the recording process like for you? Is it like you and the band all together at the same time, very kind of raw and rough, and do it all together? Well, you know, this this, uh, this album was made very spontaneously in that I I didn't have any any material when I went in the studio. Normally, I'm better prepared. Like normally, so you have like journals of, well of lyrics. Normally, I have songs. And yeah, and I kind of finish, and then we you know we work on them. But um, this time, I said, guys, I don't have any ideas. Let's just play musical ping pong. So. Play something on the bass, and then Dominic will pick it up, and then then he on the drums, and it'll kind of go around in a circle, and then materialize into something that sounds a bit like music, (laughs) (laughs) and then we shape it into a structure of a song, and then I take that structure home, and try and figure out what the what the music is telling me, because I I believe that if if you structure music correctly, it already has a, a kind of abstract narrative. Mm-hmm. And it's my job to translate that narrative into a story, into a character, into a mood, um, a plot, <laughs> if you like. Well, no, th- I mean, well, when you say that, I mean, you, you 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 laugh a little bit, but a lot of the songs are quite cinematic. You know, when you hear your lyrics, you can immediately think of visualizing it. You know, when when you have something like Pretty Young Soldiers, mm-hmm. or you know, Heading South on the Great North Road, you can see it in your head. Uh, do you? see that as well when you're writing your lyrics do you see yeah i mean i love to write narrative songs uh you know it's an it's an old-fashioned um mode and you don't hear it very often but um it's the it's the mode of songwriting that i was brought up in the ballad form you know i I love telling stories and so um i'm happy when uh when i actually achieve it (laughs) (laughs) um on on those songs specifically i was really um, I really like the warmth of your voice on the songs, where it feels because I was wearing headphones when I was listening to the album, and I just felt like you were there with me. I was. Um, you were there. <laughs> yeah. I was strangely there. enough, in your head. Um, it's. I've. That's. I've wondered where that voice <laughs> has been coming from all this time. It's actually been Sting. Um, it, w- do you like that when you hear other music? Do you like hearing the like people breathe in between words and songs? Do you like hearing that kind of? Well, I mean, I think that's that's the nature of of recording with microphones. You know, when uh, singers in the in the olden days, you know, two hundred years ago, had no mics, 
they had to develop a style of singing that was called bel canto, where it was very produced sound to, to fill enormous rooms mm-hmm. and uh, this opera singing basically. Now with the microphone, you can whisper into people's ears, and you can be much more intimate or sexy or threatening, or you know, it it gives you much more uh, breadth of um, expression. Um, I mean, opera singers don't go near the mic; <laughs> <laughs> they they tend to stay off it. But um, people with head voices like myself use the mic as a kind of uh, as a, as a as a tool, as an instrument. Mm-hmm. Um, on the first single, I Can't Stop Thinking About You, the lyrics, I think, are, are really interesting because I think on the first listen, you can take it one way. Mm. And then the second or third listen, if you're paying attention at all, <laughs> you'll hear something else. And when I went back, I'm like, you know, if you're not really paying attention, you will hear a couple different meanings. Do you enjoy that as a as a writer where we can get a bunch of different meanings from a well, song. Well, I love that. And I never contradict anyone who has a, a slightly different meaning to the one I I, I think. Uh, at first, listen, you would think, um, I can't stop thinking about you, sounds like a standard re- refrain from a love song. Yeah, you, it's, it's like a lusting song. For and someone. so you yeah. can say, okay, that's what it is. And uh, it's fine to listen to it at that level. But if you if you dig a little deeper, it's actually about the conundrum that songwriters face every day when they face a blank page, and I use the the analogy of the white page being like a field of snow. Uh, r- songwriters are like hunters in the snow. We're not quite sure what we're hunting. <laughs> <laughs> is there a path under that snow? Is there is there a track? Is is there a, an animal? What what is there? A story? A, a muse? A spiritual muse? A romantic muse? We don't know. Some days we don't capture it. Other days we do. So it's about that obsession of trying to find inspiration um you know we have to wrap up unfortunately soon but i want to uh just in case anyone's going to start yanking a microphone out of my hand i'm letting everyone know i always do that for some reason um on the album you you kind of balance um you know songs like i can't stop thinking about you with songs that are a little bit more heavy in their subject matter Hmm. um like Fifty thousand, which you can interpret to be about perhaps the deaths of Prince or Bowie. That's one way you could interpret it. Yeah. Or you know, a song like uh, "One Fine Day," which you know is about you know the environment. And and I think it's difficult for someone to write a song that involves the word penguin and actually still make it work. <laughs> and you've been able to do that. Um, do you find that really challenging to to deal with these subject matters in a song that actually work as Pop songs, you know what I mean? Well, you know, I'm famously known for ri- writing um, miserable lyrics with jo- jolly tunes. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's something in that um, disconnect that uh, is ambivalent, and that's the song's power in a way. I'm, I'm writing about climate change, but I'm not writing as if I'm on a soapbox, you know, wagging my finger. No, not at all. I'm actually being ironic and praying that the climate skeptics are in fact right, that all the scientific evidence to the contrary is wrong. I would love to live in that world. I really would. I, I'd like to be wrong about this whole thing. But I suspect, <coughs> I su- I'm going to clean in my throat, I suspect I'm not wrong. And so this song is my ironic uh, take on that. Um, well, this has been uh, a lovely, lovely uh, chat. I hate to go. <laughs> <laughs> You don't have to go, really. Well, no, I think oh, I do. I mean, I'm going to see you later on <laughs> yeah, you when, when you're playing the show. But thank you so much for doing this. And uh, 
uh, good luck on the road because you're going on tour soon. Thank you. And uh, thank you, Steen. Nice to talk to you. All you pretty young soldiers In those uniforms that you've never worn The captain will come to inspect Thank you again, Sting. 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 Pop Shop Podcast guest, Sting. Uh, I know. <laughs> I mean, if y'all, I mean, when you listen to the interview, I talk about at one point that sort of the warmth of his voice. It was just such a trip to be sitting across. Like, Sting was as close to me as Katie is to me now, and we're about three feet away. Right. We were just sitting at a table, and, he had, and he's holding the microphone. And literally in person, that same voice, that warm voice you hear where he's just sort of like whispering at a hushed tone was mm. there. And I'm like, man. And when you listen to the album, and really the album is quite good. Yes. When you listen to the album, there are some songs on there that you just feel like he's sitting next to you strumming a guitar, and he's just sing the little lullaby to you or like an old you know like poem you're like ah man the power of sting he's just so great anyway we're looking forward to seeing him on the amas this sunday maybe we'll see him again on the red carpet yes and uh we'll see him out on the road on tour as well i believe they just announced a bunch of dates i want to say today so make sure you visit sting's uh website to find out all the good info i think we are at the end of our show well, Our big shoe. I'm curious if you do go see Sting, what would be the song you would most want to hear him play? Well, you know, I, when I when the police did the reunion tour, I got to see them. Oh, at Dodger Stadium. Well, no, I saw them at Staples. Oh, okay. So I, I, they I'm, must have done both. Maybe. Yeah, I'm yeah, not yeah. really sure. Um, boy, oh boy. I mean, I like Dream World. Golly, I mean, there's. I don't see. There, I don't <laughs> think there's like one particular song. Like I like. I like um, If I Ever Lose My Faith in You. Mm. I like We'll Be Together. It was like a fun pop hit from the mm-hmm. 80s. Um, but, you know, I mean, I don't know. The Russians. I mean. Uh, Basically, there's too many to choose from, which is true. A, a Desert Rose. Oh, man. Can, hey, we go, can we go out on Desert Rose, please? Sure. Let's go yes. on Desert Rose. Love it. All right. See you guys next week. Bye. Bye.